welcome back to the latest Fred. Um, this week, we're really excited. We have a guest. Our guest is Andrew Weaver. He is the official machine whisperer of Gamel. So, Andrew, how are you? I'm a little bit nervous to be here, but I'm also excited to be back with you guys, my friends. How have you been? We haven't like seen everybody in person in forever. Oh, I know. Well, life has been super busy. You know, we've got all kinds of projects in the works always here at Gamel, and so that's great. So, how did how did you get the title, Machine Whisper? Um, it was inflicted upon me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, um, I, I don't know whose idea it was, actually, but uh, um, yeah, I don't remember. It's a very um, good title. It, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, as soon as it was said, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah. You know, so. That's cool. What are my questions? All right, so what has been like your most challenging um, event, I guess you'd say, of being Machine Whisperer? Is there anything that didn't whisper right back? Oh, golly. You know, it happens. It does. You know, um, and after, after so much, um, you know, service on different kinds of machines, uh, pretty much anything with needle and thread I have experience with, how to make it work. And sometimes I'll be looking at a, a type of machine that I've worked on many times. could be a gamel, could be anything. And, and, um, and I'll just scratch my head and be like, why, you know, why is it behaving this way? And, and eventually, you know, you puzzle it out and you come to the solution, but sometimes the weirdest things happen. I, um, you know, a little tiny rough spot on a part that never normally gets a, a rough spot or, mm -hmm. Um, you know, a shaft that normally spins around and around, and they always do, but this one goes in and out as well because a collar slipped out of place. Or, or the, I think for all types of repair people, the, um, the intermittent problem is the most aggravating. You know, you, um, somebody says it does this sometimes, and then you go to watch it do it, and it won't. It behaves perfectly. Yeah. So, uh, but I think that's true with any sort of um, repair situation. If it's intermittent, if you can't make it happen all the time, but even so, on on um, like in in the gamble world with with our machines, we we so seldom have uh, problems that are truly intractable. I mean, um, because there's tens of thousands of these machines out there, and everybody uses them in pretty much the same way to quilt with pretty much the same brands of thread. And so, I mean, it may, t it may seem like a, a challenging problem, but you just have to tease out, you know, what's the difference between this one and its neighbor machine down the road that works fine. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. So what's the coolest place you had a chance to go to to service a machine? Um, well, I've... I serviced a, I did, I ran a service call in Zambia, in Africa. Oh, wow. And oh. Um, that was really cool. Um, when I'm that far away from home, it has to be scheduled at a longer period of time so that if I needed a part that I didn't anticipate, that it could be air freighted in while I'm still there. Mm -hmm. And um, so 
I got to see, you know, I went to a game uh, park, a game reserve, and um, saw all the different big animals. And I actually just got a picture from the customer. She sent it to me. They just had lion cubs there. And uh, so people that I know, because I met them when I was there, they're playing with the lion lion cubs. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Pretty hot there, hey? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but not as humid as Missouri. So, you know. What time of the year did you go? Um, Oh, I'm not really good at specifics. Um, It was... Uh, it was hot. I don't remember other than that. (laughs) So what, what was the, have you ever gone on a, like a service where someone thinks that something's really, really wrong and it turns up to be something unbelievably simple? I hate to say it, but that's super common. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's um, there's one service call that I did um, not that long ago, and um, the the lady is an extraordinarily proficient quilter and famous. She's famous, and um, I knew her name. And anyhow, she had several people look at the machine, um, and she was, of course, really proficient herself. She knew everything about quilting, and um, I came out to look at her machine and um, I couldn't find anything wrong. I mean, everything was dialed in on the money as it should be because a couple people had looked at it, you know, looking for the problem. And, um, but sure enough, it did have a, a sort of a, a directional tension problem. So when you would stitch to the right, it, the stitching might look fine, but you would stitch to the left and the bobbin would kind of flatline a little bit. It wouldn't pull the stitches up into the fabric. And, and um, turned out that um, um, her bobbin winder had the tension dialed up pretty tight. So the bobbins were winding rock hard. Oh. And with a rock hard bobbin, you'll get that symptom sometimes. And uh, I asked her about it and she said, well, yeah, she's had it that way for a really long time, and it was just that she wanted to get more thread onto her bobbins. <laughs> Makes sense, right? And it worked, yeah. but, um, you know, so, so like, super, super simple, and, and, but, um, and you can check the machine until the cows come home, and there's nothing wrong with the machine. Yeah. It's, it's a small detail. Yeah. I know, even myself, one time I had all kind of weird things going on, it was a string, little piece of yarn, uh, thread caught up in there. And it was like, seriously, this teeny tiny little thing is throwing everything out of whack. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think one of the, one of the biggest challenges is panic uh, because people are quilting along fine and then their needle hits a ruler and it breaks or whatever. And um from that moment, right, you shriek and you utter a couple of words that you probably wouldn't want to repeat in polite company. And, and you, um, you're like, oh, my gosh, I've just broken my machine. And so your hands are shaking, your adrenaline is going, uh, your heart, heart's beating a mile a minute. 
and uh, you get a new needle in there and, and reset your bobbin and all, the whole time you're praying that it's going to work and it doesn't. And the clients but, come like eight o'clock to pick up her quilt. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so often in that scenario, the needle's put in backwards. And this is by a quilter who's replaced her needle thousands of times. But all the other times she's changed the needle in the past, her heartbeat wasn't going a mile a minute. <laughs> all the other times she changed the needle in the past when she did it right, uh, you know, her hands weren't clammy and she wasn't thinking the whole time, oh God, I hope it works. Oh God, I hope it works. You know, mm -hmm. so sometimes it's just that panic is actually the, um, the enemy because there's nothing wrong with the machine. But um, if you lose your cool, sometimes you do the dumbest thing in operate. It's kind of like if you've got the police car with his lights on behind you, or even his lights aren't on behind you, all of a sudden you're paying attention to every little thing you do when you're driving. Know what I mean? Yeah. And then you do something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then you do something wrong, right? It, they call it blue light fever. <laughs> what happened? Andrew, what has been the most unusual place that you had to go to, to where the machine was set up in a really unexpected place? You know, you asked that question and my mind just went to a completely different but similar question about the, the, uh, the, the dirtiest machine I ever saw. Um, unexpected oh, place they don't know about. <laughs> let me just say this. If your ex-husband doesn't let chickens roost on your Statler, your machine is not the dirtiest one I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel so much better about my dust and lint now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are always apologizing for the state of their machine when there's a little bit of lint in there. And I'll always say to them, this is, this is nothing. It's fine. It'll still work. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, that one worked too after a lot of cleaning up. <clears throat> oh my. Yeah. Um, I, I took a shower. I wanted to burn my clothes, but I didn't. <laughs> so was the machine in the chicken coop or was the chicken system <laughs> no. into the house? No, you know, well, you know, sometimes people can be very vindictive <laughs> to each other. And um, uh, yeah. Um, she, uh, she had left and, um, the machine was in a beautiful little quilting room of its own. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he just, um, moved the chickens inside oh to that God. room and, uh, they really, uh, they liked the light bar. They were always oh, across the light bar. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, judging from the pattern of droppings. I did not think you were serious. I thought oh you were goodness. using it as a... Oh, no. My, my job was to move that machine out of there and into her, her condo. Into her new place. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, okay. I can rinse it off in the driveway. Okay. <laughs> there, there was a lot of cleaning involved. Yeah. You take it through the, the car wash on the way to the new house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, on, on that note, I think we're going to take a break. <laughs> awesome. But we'll recuperate from the chicken poo and we'll be back in. <laughs> Hello, this is Mary from Gamel. In today's video, I'm going to show you how you purchase a tour class from the Gamel website. 
First you open up your web browser and go to gamel.com. Then click on education and support and then click online education. Scroll down a little bit until you come to browse and purchase classes. You can browse through them, but for this one, I'm going to click on a hand-guided class. I'm going to choose Fill It Fast and say Add to Cart. Now you can add as many as you'd like, but for this one, I'll just go on to check out. This is the screen that you will add your information. Sometimes it might autofill for you, but it's very important that you have an updated email and that you create an account password. Then click Continue to Payment. This screen is where you will add your payment information. After you have verified that everything is correct on your screen, click the I have read and agreed to the complete terms and conditions. And then click Place Order. You will then be directed to the Confirmation Received page and after 10 seconds, it will automatically take you to the next page. This will show you that your account has been created and you will need to go to your email to find your username so you can log in. So open up your email and find the one that says your account has been created. Scroll down and there you will find your username. Click back on the tab to open up the previous page and use the link that says click here to access your classes. Then type in your username that you found from your email and the account password that you created and click login. This page will show you the list of classes that you have purchased and you can click on one and there it is. Have fun creating! Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little bit of informational value that you got in that break. And um, we've got some more questions for Andrew. So, Jody, do you have any more questions? Another question? Um, so you were a dealer as well, right, Andrew? Yes. So I'm going to guess that you delivered a ton of machines. Yes. Right? What was your most, so I mean, I'm guessing, I think for most people, Buying a long arm is a big, that's a big purchase. It's a big investment, you know. So you probably heard all kind of stories, you know, as to why someone bought it or how they were able to buy it. Was there one thing that stands out to you as like, you know, really struck you, you know, someone's story? Well, there, there's a few and, and often they're not, uh, they're not just once, but several times. But I can't tell you um, too much specifics because a lot of times, um, you know, it was repeated by different people in different ways, but there's been a number of times that I was um, setting up someone's machine and, um, or teaching them how to use it. And they would kind of get this misty look on their face or choke up just a little bit and, and, and come to find out that uh, maybe they had a parent pass away recently who left them a little money. And, mm -hmm. and so they'll be like, you know, thanks mom, you know. Mm -hmm. um, she always wanted me to have this, you know, that kind of thing. It was usually mom or dad. Uh, and, um, can, well, and a lot of times that's because the people that get the, their gamble at the first time, they tend to average around 50 years of age. 
right? Give or take some. And so that's the time of life when a lot of times you lose a parent. And um, so there's a lot of them, just a ton of them that, um, that wanted one for a long time, but they needed that little financial boost mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to put them up over the edge. And a lot of times the parent had been urging them, hey, do something that's important to you. You should pursue this passion, right? And, and we're like, oh, no, I'm too busy raising the kids. I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with this and that. I'm taking care of everyone else and not taking care of the things that I need to do for me. You know, and so when, when dad passes away and leaves them a little, a little chunk, they're like, I'm going to do what he told me to do. <laughs> and, and that's actually um, super common. I can, I, and it's now that you say that I, when I bought my first machine by myself, cause my mother-in-law and I bought our first one together. Um, my grandparents had left me not, not a whole lot of money, a little bit, but I didn't want to spend it, you know? So I'm holding on to this, you know, and it was, and when I wanted to get that long arm, you know, he was a super creative person and industrial designer. And I'm like, he would be okay with me using that money, but I still couldn't let it go. So I kind of borrowed from myself and paid back <laughs> but it, to me it felt right so I'm okay to use it for this quilting machine because they would be okay with that so it's funny how we justify these things to ourselves but one thing that always helps me especially when you're wh whether it's for private use or whether you're gonna run a business is um, um, keeping in mind that when you when you take a chunk of money and buy something with it um, the money's not, you, you can consider it as spent, but not really. So let's say you took $100,000 and bought a house, which in some places you can do that. In other places, you can't do that. Um, five years later, generally speaking, you can convert that house back to cash. Um, most things that you buy, if it's not a service or food, <laughs> can be converted back to cash you know, um, but like a car, that's rough. I mean, you buy it at 40K, five years later, you can't sell it for 40K anymore. But with, with a gamma machine, the rate of depreciation is so, so slow that um, you certainly can buy it, use it for your business, whatever, five years later, sell it um, because you go on to a different hobby or something. I mean, it's not like the money is spent and gone forever. It's right. still sitting there in that machine. And um, the market for resale, on it's crazy. I've, I've seen machines, you know, a, a $40,000 gamble that, um, that is a few years old, and it'll sell on the secondhand market for just a couple thousand less than when it was new. I mean, it goes from 40K down to like 36K, you know, and it's crazy how slowly they depreciate. So it's like, well, wait. You know, I got the use of that machine for like a hundred bucks a month. Right. You know, um, there's not a lot of fun stuff you can have like that where you can get it for a hundred bucks a month. So um, anyway, it's, that's a, that's the other thing. A lot of times people think like it's this big massive chunk of money that they'll never see again. Well, it depends. If you decide to keep it until you die, yes, you'll never see that cash again. But and most people decide pretty quickly, I'm never letting loose of this machine ever. <laughs> That's this one. I will never let this one go. <laughs> yeah, you add, it, you add little brothers and sisters to it. But yeah, yeah you, you well, are an attachment, a bond. 
I just had mine retrofitted, my old Classic Plus, you know, to a Statler. And it's amazing because essentially it's a new machine because, you know, it got a new motor, it got new everything. So to me, you know, it's like having a new machine with the bonus of having the Statler. So, you know, I can have that past my lifetime, hopefully. Well, <laughs> <laughs> time will tell. <laughs> Aaron, so we got to know you really, really well on the tour. Yes. <laughs> we got to know each other extremely well. Um, can you tell us about what your kind of maybe highlights moments of 2019 tour not necessarily with educators but with students or just overall we're going back to ancient history now <laughs> it feels like years ago <laughs> you know um, it and I don't have to tell you guys this, but the the, uh, the time that we spent out on the road uh, serving the customers, you know, helping them to to um, understand their machine and in a lot of ways helping them to not be alone because sometimes people end up through no fault of their own feeling kind of isolated out there. You know, they're the only person they know that has one of these machines. And so then we come along and we hook them up into community and we come alongside them. I mean, um, I'm kind of a soft touch anyway, but that kind of, I would, it's really meaningful, the, the work that we did. But also we were working our tails off and um, to be there with you guys. And, and I kind of feel like you guys are my battle buddies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I fall down, one of them is going to help me up and vice versa. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think rather than a particular thing, it, it really is that more general thing of feeling like we, we touch the lives of thousands of people and, um, and invariably we improve their lives. You know, we, we gave them the secret, you know, the key to something that they were struggling with or 10 things they were struggling with. Mm -hmm. And we, we helped them get hooked into a support network and, you know, that was there all along, but they didn't know it was there. Mm -hmm. um, and many times when people were at these in-person events, they would form the friendships with, it'd be like, oh, I didn't realize that you were just on the other side of town, you know, and now we're friends in real life, which, you know, those are really rare to come across. So, yeah. Anybody got anything else? Questions? Yeah. Well, I was also curious about your entrance into the sewing world, just in mm. general, because didn't you um, fix, repair sewing machines, domestic sewing machines, before you got into the long arm business? Yeah. The, about that whole transition. Yeah, strangely, I, I, um, I'm not sure that I was born with a set of tools, but certainly in kindergarten, I had my own tools. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, my, my parents had a, uh, a sewing machine store, so just selling regular, uh, domestic sewing machines. And, um, um, I, I had always, I had always done a lot of, um, I remember when I first was given a, a gift of a, um, 
they used to have these, it was like a Walkman where it would have an AM FM radio and a tape player and you'd connect headphones to it. I, I remember specifically, I can still picture that in my mind. I was so excited to be given that as a gift and where most kids would have put batteries in and snapped a cassette tape in there and gone to town. What was the first thing I did? I found the right size screwdriver to take it apart because I wanted to see how it worked inside. <laughs> so I actually took it apart before I ever played a tape on it. But um, that's, that's just the kind of kid I was. But um, when I was uh, quite young yet, I recall that my dad had been working on the same sewing machine for, for days. And he, um, his primary technique, if he couldn't figure it out, was to pray about it and come back later. And so it had been there for days, and he was still trying to figure out why it was uh, doing, you know, completely the wrong stitch. And I kind of walked over and looked at it, and I, there's this whole mess of mechanical stuff down inside there, because this is before they were computerized. Just, you know, springs, levers, pulleys, belts, cams, gears, everything in there, you know. And, and I just kind of looked, and I said, well, shouldn't the other end of that spring be hooked up somewhere? Because there's a spring laying there with one end hooked, and then the other end was just laying there on the ground. And he hooked it up to what appeared to be where it was supposed to connect on the other side, and all of a sudden it worked. And um, I just, um, I've always had a, a, I don't know, I just look at things and see how they work. So from the very beginning, but um, with years and years and years of, of working um, in, um, in a sewing store, um, I've seen everything with needle and thread pretty much. And, and uh, it's, it's amazing. There's an infinite variety of machines there um, because, because if you think about it, machines have been, sewing machines have been around for, gosh, is it 200 years? It's a really long time, 130 at least. I mean, it depends on where you draw the line as far as mass produced. But a lot of those machines, as long as they're well-made and most of them were, they're still running. Um, now, there's so plenty of machines from the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s that are junk, you know, and they'll never last. But there's tons of machines that are, you know, 80 years old and they'll never die. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as long as you can get parts for them, that's the, that's the trick. But, no, I mean, I, I uh, what was the question? <laughs> it, was, it was about your, your entrance into the sewing machine. You were talking about how you love to tinker. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it when it really went crazy was um, um, the the guy that was working for my parents who was doing the repair this, all the sewing machines. Um, he left to take another job in another town, and uh, he could put in two weeks' notice. And so I actually spent two weeks. I was eleven or twelve years old, and I spent uh, two weeks with him um, in the summer. And uh, he showed me some stuff. And from there on out, it was, I just had to figure it out. But kids, I have a lot of respect for how nimble kids' minds are, especially the older I get, and mine is not as nimble as it used to be. And uh, it, they're just like sponges. You know, you expose them to something, and, um, and they'll, they'll take it in and remember if they're interested. So. I love hearing the stories that you tell. It's always entertaining to listen to Andrew tell a story when we were having a meal. Yeah. <laughs> well, the trouble with me talking while we're having a meal is you have to be careful not to laugh while you've got food or drink in your mouth. <laughs> Wait, that has happened. 
right. Ava, you have any more questions? You good? Can't think of something. No. All right. I have I has a question for us. Oh, do you have any questions for us? I was actually thinking that earlier, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we are open books, right? <laughs> yep. Well, I know. I know. Uh, if, you, I, <laughs> if you had to summarize everything you do, gamma-wise, into three words, what would they be? I don't, what I'm going to say is that I typically use a plethora of words <laughs> when a small number would suffice. So summarizing is not really my gift. <laughs> um, what, what word uh, pops yeah. Pops in your mind first. Uh, collective genius. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things <laughs> is that we we are a community of people pursuing passions, dreams, goals, and a lot of times when you face something and you don't have an answer, that's to be expected. That's normal. And and at Gamel, we're um, you know we're we're always working on things together and it just blows me away i mean i should know this but i'm always amazed by how you know you get people with a lot of experience and a lot of passion for the subject and you get them together and the collective genius shows up where you know somebody says something and that that keys somebody else to make a realization and um I just, it's one of the things I love about what I do is the people that I work with and how we work together as a team. Yeah. It's a definite family. <laughs> it, is, it really is. I think yeah. it really so look is. at that. I got it in two words, collective genius. <laughs> what are you saying, Jen? I think it really is. You know what I mean? It's not like we, I don't, I think there really is a huge bond within yeah. everybody. You know, and even the people like on the tour, because, you know, it, it, it really was that feeling of that mm -hmm. is very obvious to me anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they love that. They, you know, people who doesn't want to be a part of something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, alrighty. I think, I think Andrew's filled our brains <laughs> pretty good this morning. So, um. Um, we would like to have you on again in the future. So I, I would love to come again. Awesome. So I, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.